Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm very excited today to be joined by Brian Pierce Jr., who is the founder and CEO of a company called EDU Rain, looking at housing solutions in higher ed. We're going to get into more about that a little bit later. But before we do that, Brian, I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. And this is the first interview post being a Techstars founder. And this is awesome because, again, you know, as I talk to you, the market knows us as a underfunded, under-resourced team with a great idea. Yeah. And now that we, you know, are in Techstars, I keep talking every day. I'm like, man, now we got like Lex Luthor type resources. Exactly. So, yeah, we can 10x, you know, product development, 10x design development. And like, there's so many things that we're doing right now that I'm just like, I can't believe how fast technology is. Moving. Yes. And I can't believe how tapped in Techstars is into that quick, fast paced technology movement. Right. Uh, and and how ED Rain is leveraging some of those tools. Right. To speed up our development. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and and like you're getting podcasts, you're on Trending in Ed, you're ready for the Trending in Ed bump, like as if Techstars wasn't enough. Now you're on a podcast, hopefully ready to take off. And then your story is really interesting on a personal level. Maybe you could share that next, your background and how it connects to what you're trying to do with EDU Rain. Yeah, you know, we're working with this group called Forefront Coaching and Mavity, which is a design firm on our demo day pitch. And so, like, I kind of wanted to kind of give you the first little sure. 60 seconds of, like, what they, you know, kind of spit back in, like, a rough draft. It's not the official pitch. Okay. But we're just kind of, like, playing some things out. I'm Brian, the CEO of EDU Rain, and I struggled in life finding a stable home in Network as a foster care college student. In fact, I moved seven times, and I had 22 roommates in college. This college housing issue is a huge problem. College admins at the top 175 colleges can only house 20% of the undergraduate population. And all college housing-specific administrators lack the resources at scale to support students transitioning into off-campus housing. The student housing-specific property management group struggled with a law that restricts them from directly targeting students. And the college won't directly partner with them because the student is the customer of the college and they don't want the liability issues potentially. And students, well, 44% of them struggle to find a roommate at the college they attend and they need a guide or renting for the first time. Students in this equation suffer from a lack of trustworthy options, only see visibility of the most expensive options, will spend a lot of time figuring out their housing when they're in a time crunch while still leading a very busy life. EDRain.org is like Zillow for college renting. And we white label these platforms, these EDRain.org sites for colleges so they can have their own property management platform with a college renter's guide and four different types of roommate search. With EDRain dominating the market, students can confidently secure housing and know who they are living with. The property management industry can efficiently lease without worry, and universities are able to house 100% of 
of their students safely and with minimum housing disruption, if any. Thank you. That's pretty good. I, now I, suddenly I feel like Mark Cuban. You know, suddenly I feel like I need to respond to the Shark Tank pitch. But that was great. And I think the problems, I think, are real for anyone who's been to college or knows folks who are going to college. There's a lot that you're juggling. It includes figuring out housing. Housing costs for on-campus housing have been rising. At, it seems like at, at least as fast as tuition, perhaps even faster, depending on where you're going. Everyone knows the tuition is too damn high. Uh, shout out to the mayoral candidate in New York. I forget his name. <laughs> the rent is too damn high. Jimmy McMillan. There you go. Jimmy McMillan, who I met with my wife in Dumbo one day. He's famous for his mutton chops. Jimmy uh, appreciated that I knew that the rent was too damn high and I knew that he built a platform around it. And I will attest as uh, a tenant in Brooklyn, New York, the rent is in fact too damn high. But those problems translate. Real estate's just hard. And then you're still coming of age. You just made a choice to go to this university and then on-campus housing makes sense to a point, but uh, I do remember where I went to school by year three, year four, you're kind of ready for something more. And, and, you know, college also as that, you know, launch point for the rest of your adult life, you kind of have to learn how to manage yourself as an adult. Part of that means learning how to pay your rent, learning how to handle your housing situation. Can you share more of your background? Because it does sound like, you know, when you were growing up, like some of these problems were very front and center and, you know, get a little more of your own personal journey as an entrepreneur, because you're not typical on a lot of fronts. By the way, the Lex Luthor thing, hopefully things will end better for you than for Lex though, right? I mean, like we do have to work on that aspect of, of the analogy. You know, well, I don't have the same goals of Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? Like Lex Luthor trying to take over the world yeah. He's fighting an He's literally fighting an alien to do that. Right. That's true. Like, you know, now it is 2023. The government comes up and says aliens are real and they're trying to stop EDU rain from dominating the college market. This would get incredibly interesting. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I hope, I hope at this time that does not happen. And I hope the American government has better things to do than to bring aliens to America to stop EDU rain from growing. That sounds like a whole movie. Because I was wondering whether the aliens were brought here or whether they're just coming here on their own. Again, separate podcast. You're welcome for those listeners who are craving conspiratorial alien screenplays with super, super villains who are not actually super villains who are developing property websites for colleges. Again, this is the wonder of editing. I'm a brilliant editor, Brian. We'll figure out how, how out there we want it to be. But can you can you share a little more of your own background and and really how some of this is personal for you? Yeah, you know, okay. So one thing I didn't really think about is I was an entrepreneur at eleven and twelve and thirteen. So you know, I I disregarded because I'm I so eliminate. Who cares? But I had me and this guy named Paul. We knew at a young age that we're gonna have to bring a diverse set of folks that, that didn't look like us and and use our network and use their network in order for to be successful. For example, I want to say me and my buddy Paul, we're rough two black kids. Paul, you're, he's two years younger than me. And then there was like some kids in the neighborhood, mostly white. And 
in our lemonade stand, we had a team that helped the sign. We had another team. So where we were at, there was a parking lot, then there was Paul's house. And then on the other side of the parking lot was a street. And we were on a we we're on a main street. So in front of the parking lot was a main road. Yeah. And so next to that, and then on the other side of that street that that was like cutting across, yeah, was this place called Hidden Run, which is a drive up convenience store where the people in the convenience store come out and ask you what you want. Oh. And then they go inside to get it. Okay. And then they also had a laundry mat too mm. uh, on it. And and they had a car wash too. Okay. So this had a, a you know, it's like so a commercial a little commercial district. There there's people out there, there's foot traffic. This is not a bad place to set up a lemonade stand. Especially with a bunch of kids. Right. You know? And so we would make like $150 a day. Wow. Well, because like they would be running. We, we this have is summer, su- summertime too, right? This is summer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it, it would be like seven kids. We would, we would yell. We would yell. You know, we would yell to get the attention right and hold the sign. And then there'd be another group that would be going and running in between the cars of this commercial district. Sure. And then down the street from us, like three blocks, was this was the middle school. There was only one middle school in this three city radius, and it was right there. And so people coming from summer school, teachers and stuff like that, would stop and get as well. What geography is this? Where are we talking about? This is in Alton, Illinois. Okay. So you know, you know, I did that or whatever. But like, my father got into real estate. He was a maintenance man at a real estate company. He struggled to get a good job. Then he figured out the bidding process and he opened up his own company called Get Her Done Construction. So I'm Leary the Cable Guy. That is a pretty cool expression to associate yourself with. So kudos to your dad for his marketing vision. Get her done. I'll spell it right. Please continue. Get her done. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not for sure on the spelling because like that wasn't my business. And I was like, Third, I was like 14. Sure. So like, I didn't really care about business. Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess I did. I didn't know I cared about business. What did Get Her Done do? Fix your lights at your house. Okay. Fix windows, fix the toilet, okay. fix like, you know. Kind of like a, almost like a, a super that comes to your home. A superintendent? Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And the superintendent is going to fix things too. I feel like a lot of times the superintendent right. just pulls out to fix something. Yeah. I mean, I'm showing my age here, but I'm talking about like Schneider in one day at a time. Lives in the basement. And I've, I've lived in buildings like that where like the super actually gets to live in the basement apartment and tends to be there all the time. And if you have a problem, you go down and you knock on their door. That's like the RA model. I used to be an RA in college. Yes. Yes. You know, live at the bottom of the hallway. Right. You know, like if something goes wrong. Well, ideally, you would call somebody that's in charge and not the kid. Right, right. <laughs> right, right, right. It's funny sure. when, when you think power dynamics and stuff like that. And some kid will think some other kid that's the same age as them knows something better than them. Right. Them like, I think no. they know. It's more like they know who to call, you know. And at that point, there is still at least higher ed. And this ties back a little bit to EDU Rain, too. There is that idea of like, in loco parentis, like somebody's in charge, somebody's responsible for what's going on here, and that's an institution. And then the RA is the representative of the institution. So I kind of get it. And it does feel like 
I mean, the the stuff that's going on in Israel and Palestine right now is is just really terrible. You know, the loss of life and everything that's going on over there, both sides. And then how that's now making campuses, which were already extremely polarized, even more polarized and, and stressful. And like, that's the context you're launching EDU Rain into. Why is housing important? What kind of problems happen in that space and any ways in which what you're solving with EDU Rain kind of connects to the, the broader context of what's going on in higher ed nowadays? A loaded question. Well, thank you, though, because like part of our roommate match, you can upload your social media accounts and those kind of things optionally. And hopefully you check into your potential roommate's social media before you room with them. Yeah. Because it would show you if they're going to be about their political values, their political values. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, as a gay man, as a black gay man, I don't want to room with a homophobic racist person yeah right. <laughs> you know i guess so you know so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be looking for like okay yeah protest at a pride event like that's like one thing if you did that you no, you're not and also in my opinion if you're 19 protested at a pride event you're probably doing that because you're overcompensating for something that's please good. keep that in there please let people be mad about that and yeah. i'm like yeah. Let 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 the nineteen year olds that are protesting LGBT rights come after me, because like they wasn't gonna be for me anyway. But you know, also that housing security piece, we're going to a hundred percent listing inventory model, so that we have a complete lay of the land of of college housing. Right now, we are launched at Tulsa, Oklahoma, St. Louis, Missouri, St. Louis, Dispo, and Cal Poly, and Chicago. And by the time of this podcast coming out, not only are we going to be launched, but we will have a relaunch with new features. We're integrating with Stripe, TransUnion. We're integrating with Zapier as well. Mm. And like all of this is about making sure that potential renters are communicating efficiently and effectively with the landlord and property manager group. Make sure that we have a verified way that the school can make sure students can do payments with the landlords in a verified way, and Stripe is doing a verification of landlords for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And then TransUnion students can build credit paying for it on or off campus for free through our platform. Mm -hmm. Important with TransUnion as well. So not only do we give them a place, a safe place to say, an insight to who they're going to live with, we're also like this tool that is like developing them before they get out into the real world. Yeah. Kind of like this city environment of like real life, because you're like in college and like you probably have a parent. You have friends that are your roommates. You probably have a part-time job. Like you have all these things that are backing you in like grants and loans and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. You can make sure you can stay in housing right. before you go get out in a real world three or four years down the road after you get into that first apartment. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like knowing how to take care of housing is a life skill that every adult really needs. And it's seldom formally on any curriculum and now increasingly colleges, higher ed is looking at student success, you know, retention, graduation, and then ideally life success down the road, job placement, all those other things. All those things are tied to housing and tied to being able to make informed decisions about it. And then the economics of it, you know, is, is a real thing as well, where, you know, how do you get more options available so that folks can 
make smart decisions. How to how about that too? Like just in terms of where students live, how to make sure it's safe, how to make sure, you know, when it becomes more affordable, frequently it gets more dangerous. You know, folks seem very concerned about, rightly so, about the safety of college-age students when they're away in a college experience. How are you helping address some of the safety concerns that are out there? Yeah, we actually have a partnership with the Crime Statistics website and that we're, by the time this podcast is going to be out, it's going to be implemented in those three markets or you can see the crime statistics of the lay of that market mm-hmm. on where your listing is. Right. You can see that. You can know that. You can make that informed choice. Sure, sure. Yeah. So then the idea is more transparency, more openness in the market is ultimately going to benefit everybody. And then you said you're in three cities mainly right now, and you're looking to expand. What does growth look like? Where where are you looking to expand? How do you see this thing uh, taking off? New York. There's a couple of colleges in New York that I want to partner with and in some HBCUs. Um, and then we're going to start the pipeline to grow back up. I go on the top 175, but um, there's some specific use cases of different colleges that I want to solve for so that we can grow with a targeted growth model yep. um, instead of just like any college. Right, um, right. New York, I want a foothold in New York because it's like this like guy that ran away from home when he was 15. Right. To be able to say that like, you know, my startup has partnerships in New York and it's growing, that will be insane. <laughs> right. Because if and, you make uh, it here, and I'm based at, this is Brooklyn speaking, if you make it here, you can make it anywhere, Brian. But also in terms of your background, we haven't gotten into that as much as you're you're comfortable sharing, but like it did sound like running away at 15, you know, that does give you a kind of unique hero's journey as an entrepreneur. Are you comfortable talking more about that? Because I, I think that is a pretty interesting element to your story. Yeah, I like put myself in the foster care. I got like emancipated and I was raised by like a couple different families. And I was a star athlete. I was a wrestler. I was part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, I was a Republican until I was like 20. And like when I came out, all of that went out the window. And at 21, because like, you know, also with counseling and like becoming who I was, I was like, you know, it's interesting, you know, talking about did the party leave me or did I leave it? And I'm Mm. like, well, I think they really just kind of left me because yeah. I wasn't willing to hide who I was anymore. Right. Um, and, and I think that a lot of, at the time and like where it's at now, I'm just like, oh my God, it's like insane. Right. But let's not talk about the political side. But when I, when I was in college at Lincoln College, when I was a college wrestler, I made the college wrestling. Uh, I was an RA. I was a resident hall assistant in my second year. And I was a wrestler. And my first organization officially started out as this group called Purple Rain, which had nothing to do with my little sister Serenity Rain, which the company is named after. Okay. It was actually Purple Rain because, like, the school was purple mm-hmm. and Prince had an album. Oh, I'm aware. That was just, like, very, like, awe-inspiring. And yes. It was, uh, it was, like, it was such a, a mood. And I was like, we can make something that is the student fan club section that is like in all of our sports teams mm. and it can be purple rain. Yeah. And like our section is 
the purple rain. I like it. And just to give me a timestamp on this, what time period are we talking about? Because Prince has gone through multiple periods of being someone people discover. Like what when were you doing the purple rain? 2013 or 14. That's what I'm talking about. Prince certainly gone too soon. And because uh, I remember back when I was a teenager, but when Prince was first hitting the scene. You know, my goodness. I mean, because when that album came out, that movie, it's just incredible to me to think about the cultural impact of something when 30 years later, a student fan section is being named after your music and your album. Shout out to Prince. This sh I didn't realize we were going to have a shout out to Prince in, in this episode, but there it was. I mean, Prince is just great. Like, he, yeah. he is. Mm -hmm. He is. Like, he is the, he is incredible alternative to Michael Jackson, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, in all ways, mm -hmm. in all ways, he is the credible alternative. Like, the only thing you can say about Prince is probably that he was, that people think that he's gay. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's literally yeah. it. That's it. And then, and then if you think that's true, it plays into how funny, how sassy his comments are. Sure. Because Prince is known to be somebody that, throw a backhanded compliment at you sure yeah but he's also like a super nice he also i mean like i mean we're we're riffing on prince might as well for a little bit here but it's also like i feel like his sexuality kind of transcends like one one side or the other like he's just sort of like artist i mean he's the artist you know what i mean and then for him i hadn't really thought about it because I, I usually have more sports conversations i do a podcast called running it back for those of you who enjoy sports conversations Running It Back, available everywhere you get your podcasts. But on Running It Back, we're doing the GOAT conversation all the time. I forget that there is a meaningful musical GOAT conversation around Michael versus Prince. So again, I appreciate. I didn't expect to hit Lex Luthor, The Rent is Too Damn High, and Prince versus Michael GOAT conversation in, in the same episode. Brian, thank you again for your service. But you were talking about how tough it was for you growing up and being emancipated you know you have to become an adult have an adult sensibility earlier you also understand what it's like having to live in different places and and then you're a college where you're an RA and you're kind of helping other people navigate some of their problems I imagine that context is very similar to the space you're operating with now with EDU Rain. can you Catch us up on what happened between wrestling in college and founding EDU Rain. Yeah. So I graduated and from Lincoln College and went to SIUE. Lincoln College acquired that org that I created and they invested in it and they gave it a band and all this other stuff. And like, I see. So that's right. So EDU Rain was a project you started your senior year in college at SIUE. And that's like, I, so I, I brought it. So I, I showed up and I was like, okay, I'm, I can be whatever. And I'm going to go to a big school and like, let's go. Just that I understand though, too, like the Lincoln is a, you transferred or it's a two-year college? It was a Juco. Got it. Juco. Okay. I was a wrestler. I was pretty good, but I got beat by the backup of Iowa State. And I was just like, I'm not going to be doing this if I'm going to get beat this bad by backup. Yeah. Still win. 90% of my matches, but the backup, these D1 schools are kicking my butt. I'm right. like, no, I'm not going to go to the D1 level. Yeah. Get, essentially, if there's not going to be a bunch of money in it. Because you started Division three. 
JUCO is like, JUCO is a lot, a lot of times when people go JUCO, it's like they're trying to jump to D1 or D2. I see. So rather than go D3, you go to JUCO and then you can, you, you're planning to transfer two years in and it like kind of upgrade. And that's where you gave me a bunch of initials, but what university was that? Uh, Southern Illinois University. Okay. Sure. Southern Illinois. Yeah, exactly. And even as a sports fan, I'm familiar enough with Southern Illinois. It's it's an actual NCAA sports program. I beat the starter there my soft, my sophomore year at Lincoln College in the in the Lindenwood Open. Nice. Uh, but I was just like, you know, that was the same tournament I lost to the dude from Minnesota in Iowa. Okay, so, we're gonna have to we'll we'll work on that when we talk about your screenplay, you know, because that. I already can see the wrestling, wrestling montages, you know, a little uh, Vision Quest meets Karate Kid. We'll spitball that a little bit, a little bit later on. I love Vision Quest. I love As a wrestler. It's probably the best wrestling movie out there, right? If you talk about like actual amateur wrestling style, probably is room for more. Honestly, I, I think, I think wrestling is underproduced sport. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the theatrics of it. Correct. I agree. Because like there's so much you could do with that. Because yes. it's kind of insane. Mm-hmm. The sport is insane on all levels. Mm-hmm. And like the amount of focus yeah. and preparation you have to have for a six minute thing. Right. So cool, cool, cool. so basically I joined a frat. It didn't go well. I transferred out a semester to go back to SWIC. And I told the admission counselor this week, if you give me a semester to get my life back together, I'm going to come back and at SA and I'm going to do everything I can to be everything that I am. And I'm not going to be embarrassed about anything about myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to authentically be everything that I want to be and who I am. And I joined the LGBT organization. Mm-hmm. And I was a secretary for like a semester. And then I ran for president and I won mm. and I grew the group from four to 60 within a couple months. Yeah. And we won homecoming. We never even competed in homecoming as an org and we won it. We broke the amount of points you can get. Yeah. And then I started, since we had 60 people and the most we ever had is like 10 at the time, all these problems that people were reporting and I documented all of it. And then I came up with this thing called the Sunday plan of how to enroll and retain different LGBT students in higher education. And really, it was like the first version of EDU Rain, and it was a data science project. I did. I was the coder, and you can yeah. Google that. Illinois State University, 26th annual Students of Political Science Conference. I am presenting in my section on state, local opinion, and po- politics and opinion. And really, we built EDU Rain for the kid that was cut off from their parents to find housing in college. I see. Mm-hmm. And and that's like for the most vulnerable. You yeah. might not have the most money. You got to think about who you're actually going to live with. And But then we realized that all kids just kind of had the same issue. Yeah. We took away the LGBT perspective and we just made it available for everybody. Mm-hmm. And people were like, man, this is good. Yeah. Um, and we kind of just kept growing that. And yeah. now we're growing that. Mm-hmm. And we got more efficient with the data that we track, the data that we're going after as well, through points to how do we become a successful organization that not only makes money, but makes an impact yeah. and looks good and it's easy to onboard yourself. And mm-hmm. now we have, you know, over a thousand accounts. You know, we're used in 41 different countries. 
We got three colleges we're partnered with. There's about 15 others in the pipeline. And we, right now, we have oh, like 1,000 listings. We, we should be on, onboarding about 3,000 listings by the end of this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're just like growing. Like, yeah. the, the roommate search, we're improving that. There's some things, there's some special things that we're going to be doing in the next three weeks as well, so even through that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what the investors and the colleges and the students want to hear like about the story and like where we're going and how we're doing it. This is Mike. I went on and will include the remainder of my conversation with Brian here. We get more into Lex Luthor, make some interesting connections between Lex and contemporary figures in today's zeitgeist. Brian clearly is a visionary, got some interesting stuff going on here. The problem of housing security in higher ed and what EDU Rain is doing is also worth checking out. We'll include links to that in the show notes with that we're gonna play the theme music to send you out and for those of you who are enjoying our pop culture rants there's a little bit more of that before we sign off for today thanks again for listening thanks for the support we'll be back again soon this is trending in education I did not expect us to be going as deep on Prince. The rent is too damn high. That was pretty entertaining. Look, I'm just going to say this. I am always interested in all the different things because, you know, I used to be a scene kid back in the day, which means I used to be in a punk rock group. So, like, my musical choices are a mixture of people like Prince, people like Taking Back Sunday, Blink-182, a group called Brand New. You can't listen to them too much because they make you depressed. But, like, they have a song called Jesus Christ. Mm. And they're a alternative group. So, like, but it's, like, this, like, heart of, like, a Christian kid, like, knowing that they have lost their way. Mm. And it's, like, prayer to, like, God. But it's also, like, I am not the kid I once was, but I'm still a young person. Yeah. And like, this is actually who I am. Mm. And it's like, it's a secular song. Sure. And it, it and it's like really good because like, I think something that people don't do is they don't understand the dichotomy between you were that Christian kid and you were good. And okay, you didn't meet those criteria of that, of what you thought was a successful right. adjusted adult. Mm-hmm. But you're still a good person. Right. You still like you still you tried to do all the things, mm-hmm. and like once you get to that point of actualization, of like, oh, you've been good. Like for example, yeah. like there's some people like Brian. You've been nice your whole life, and I'm like, have that. They're like, the bar has been like up here. Right, right. This gets mind. back. This gets back to my Lex Luthor point, where like. I, it's good, though, because it is kind of edgy and, and you had a good response there. But it's like you don't have to be pegged on the villain side, you know, especially because he lost. I think it's almost like maybe you want to be Thanos, Thanos, but Thanos lost, too. Like the villains always kind of lost. Thanos also is too powerful. Lex is nice. It makes us root for you because Lex is also like an underdog. That's interesting they say Lex is the underdog. I never think Lex is the underdog because he always kind of had a chance to win. True. Uh, it's just that Superman was an alien. Right. Like, no matter what Lex Luthor did, 
Well, I'm talking like for me, my age, Lex Luthor is both the Super Friends cartoons from Saturday Morning, which was amazing, in which case he's lead baddie. And it's against the whole Super Friends, not just one Super Friend, all of them. You know, he's the head of the Legion of Doom. Yes. That's the first connection. But then Superman, the first movie, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Like that's the you've seen the you've seen the first one, right? Yes. Because like that depiction, because then he that's like a real world. That's like kind of convincing. And he's got Ned Beatty as his like goofball sidekick. You know, that was that's like my rude understanding of Lex Luthor. And I guess in that case, I would probably fund him as like you know an investor. I'd be like, you know, at the end of the day, he's he's got some good points. You know. That California is at risk, you know, it's still true. It's still true. You know, it's interesting to me how Lex Luthor, okay, in about 15 years, 20 years, we might be able to see people like Lex Luthor exist, which is scary. Sure. Like, like Batman is probably already a person. You could argue. Already somebody, a person like Batman. We could argue that, like Musk is, he'll probably be fully bald by then. So Elon is probably on track towards Lex Luthor. Oh, I did not think about that part. I didn't bro. either. And I'd actually been talking Tony Stark for him. He's definitely, Tony Stark is gone for Elon at this point. But yeah, I do yeah. think Lex, Lex is certainly in rage, you know? You know, I just not thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Lex Luthor. Yes. Because like, He's Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor had rockets. They just didn't. They never made it. They never. Superman would stop them by the time they would actually. Right, right. Lex is like, listen, they're gonna land. It'll be upside down. It'll be cool. And Superman's, I just need to save the world. It's like, dude, if you just left me alone, I'd be Elon Musk or yeah. Lex. You know, he did, Superman would just come and push the rocket over that blows up, and Luthor would be it. so. So first off. Superman never really caught, he, he caught Lex Luthor a couple times, yeah. but most times Lex Luthor got away somehow. Sure. I mean, Superman it's... had to stop the thing. Yeah. Lex I mean, Luthor was like, right. Man, was... Super villains are really good at getting out of jail and escaping. They're not really good at taking over the world. Like that's, that's their charm. Like if they actually took over the world, it'd be kind of boring. But also if they were just stuck in federal pen for 50 years, you know, like that's also boring too. So like they have to, you know, the escapability, I think, is, yeah, this is an entire, we, have, we should, we're doing like a pop culture podcast. This is entertaining.